in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. People often ask me how the world ended, whether it was with a bang or with a whimper. And all I can say is, first they came for the drive-ins and nobody said anything. Next, they took the arcades and still, folks stayed silent. Then it was the video rental establishments, the record shops, and the toy stores. And still, they said nothing. By the time they got to the local comic book shops, there were no nerds left to say anything. Except for us! We're the last comic shop, raging against the dying of the light, sending our broadcasts back into the days of futures past in hopes that our comic book reviews might alter this cold, gray reality in which comic shops are nothing but a long-forgotten memory. So heed our words and go to your local comic shop. Pick up either of the book we'll be reviewing today or any number of countless comic book treasures before, before it's, it's too, too late. late. And I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and welcome back to another week of The Last Comic Shop. Thank you for tuning in to our broadcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Smith. So, Chad... That's me. you were going to have any item from any comic book, which item would you have? <sighs> this is a hard question. Because there's so many things that just don't work in my everyday life. Like, I wouldn't want an ultimate nullifier because I just nullify stuff. Accidentally, that'd be bad. I wouldn't want spider webs because that's everything gets sticky for an hour. People ask too many questions. So I'm going to go with a green lantern ring where I can make whatever goofy stuff I want, but it just has to be green. Wow. You know what? I actually thought you were going to go for that rocketeer jacket because you've always wanted one of those rocketeer jackets. And but guess I what, could, buddy? I can make one. It just has to be green. <laughs> I wonder if that's how Guy Gardner got his start. Anyways, we've also got my regular, my other co-host, uh, J.A. Scott. J.A., if you were to have any item from any comic book series, what item would you have? That one's an easy, easy for me. I'd have to go with the Silver Surfer surfboard. <laughs> you mean, to me? <laughs> my board, to me! <laughs> I do not call it that. I do not recognize that series as part of the Silver Surfer canon. <laughs> oh, all those Mike Aldred fans. I love that series. What about the issue in which everything was like forwards and backwards and the it was Mobius like a Mobius strip? strip? That was Take the best. One thing Dan Slott did that I liked. <laughs> And also on today's podcast, we've also got the wonderful and uh, talented Lindsay Fahey. Lindsay, if you were to have one item from any comic book series, what would you have? So I feel like you guys all know more about comic books than I do. So I am going to choose a rocket raccoon because I think he's like the type of chaos that I would really enjoy and also crafty enough to get us out of any real trouble. He seems like he'd be fun. Very nice. Would it come with a side of Groot, or are you... uh... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a... He seems like a clever pet, for sure. He just got her own forest pal. (laughs) I am a Disney princess. (laughs) Nice. And uh, as the host with the most, if I was going to have any sort of comic book-related item, it would have to be the Fortress of Solitude, because after dealing with some of these yokels every single week, sometimes I just need some quiet time to some place where I can go and have my little city of Candor stuck in a big... Plug in your crystals. 
Right. I, I, I've always thought that the, the Fortress of Solitude has been a much better base than even the Batcave. Like, if I was going to go to either one of those, it, Fortress of Solitude, no. it's just cleaner, crisp, nice. It's it's probably smells of peppermint, refreshing, like a York peppermint patty of superhero base. That sounds Any like case, a great place to send your kids in time out. <laughs> yes! Kids in the Fortress of Solitude? It's yes. like the Fortress of Hey Kids run around here. No, it is. It is. It, it, I like that idea. Essentially, the Fortress of Solitude is the superhero equivalent of a timeout chair. There's <laughs> nothing to do there. Oh, come on. You got those big cellophane capes. It's wonderful. Are you saying that you would rather have a bat cave, J.A.? Yes. <laughs> yes. And why? Because of the giant penny? Uh, you didn't even mention the dinosaur. Or that sweet computer. Those are all just bonuses to the giant penny. (laughs) In any case, we've got more Last Comic Shop coming up right after these messages. We're going to be reviewing a Marvel comic this week. It is the first six issue of Donny Cates' Thor run. So stay tuned for all of that. was the three-legged dog of comics. It was bad. These two gentlemen met in jail, and then when they got out, they started publishing. It should have been mobsters instead of doing what they do in comics. Management there was questionable at times. Some of it has to do with people who go to jail. We are sinners. We have corrupted the youth. Stuff that should never have been sold to kids. And then there was Charlton. I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. Charlton was just a hodgepodge of weird titles. What is this? Who am I dealing with? John threw nickels around like they were manhole covers. C-A-T They were cheap. Hell yes, they're cheap. They were a special kind of special is what they were. Critic was horrible. You could smell them beginning to decay even as they were rolling off the press. At one point, they actually did have to move the comics operation into a bowling alley. It's something out of a sitcom. We want to publish comic books in the worst way, and they did. It's been called the street fighting cousin of Marvel and DC. Maybe you've heard of them. Probably not. But you do know the industry legends that called it home. This is Charlton Comics. Follow at charltonmovie.com. Oh, it's going to suck. And we are back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing a terrific series that was only released, not again, not too long ago. It is Donny Cates' Run on Thor, the first six issues. Chad, has this been collected yet? Yes. In- so okay. the first trade has already uh, been out for quite some time. And it keeps coming out on a monthly basis. This is uh, Donnie Cates is the writer. Nick Klein is the artist. You have Matt Wilson on letters. And basically, this story, or the story picks up right after Jason Aaron's epic run on Thor, The War of the Realms, where Jason Aaron really took his time and put his stamp on the character. He cut off his arm. Thor lost an eye. Thor became king of Asgard, taking over for Odin. Um, and all these things, all these big changes happen. And then Donny Cates got the book and he shows Thor, you know, uh, and being king, it's not something he would have chosen necessarily, but it's it's weighing on him. He starts off and he's trying to send messages across all the realms. And, you know, it leads to a fun little moment where the his hammer Mjolnir comes crashing down to Earth and Tony Stark's like, oh, cool. And then he writes on it with a Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So why don't you, you jump into that 10 cent synopsis right now there, Chad? What what happens after that? Okay, so first issue is Thor dealing with the aftermath of the War of the Realms, basically. And then at the end of the issue, Galactus comes. There is a, a great threat called the Black Winter that is approaching. And so Galactus's first step is to go to Thor and then undo all the repercussions of Jason Aaron's entire run. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, he turns Thor into his new herald. Silver Surfer had previously mapped out these planets that would give Galactus this immense power that might help him to, to battle the Black Winter. Thor becomes the herald that leads Galactus across the journey to these various planets to get the energy that he needs to combat this great threat, this Black Death. That's basically the long and short of it. Well, I mean, do we want to do we want to spoil the series from the start that there's a massive thing that happens in issue six? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> well, <laughs> one of the biggest things that happens in this series is Galactus dies. 
again because it's not the first time that he's actually died in in Marvel comic book continuity. So, uh, but yeah, Donny Cates decides that uh, Thor is gonna kill old Galactus in the end. Which yeah, is, but I viewed that as a comic book death. He's coming yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why yeah. it's kind of a minor spoiler. Because honestly, you can't keep a good villain like Galactus down for very long. But as the person that doesn't read a lot of comic books, as you might have heard on uh, previous shows, we've got Lindsay Fahey as kind of our comic book rookie, as it were. And so she's had to jump in to this pretty intense mythology of Marvel comics and especially Thor. And I want to get her initial thoughts first as to what she thought of this book and if she had any questions for the rest of us. So the question, the big question that I had was actually just answered by Chad. The hardest thing for me was the continuity and the time frame because I have seen most, if not all of the Marvel movies. And that's really where my reference point is. And it starts off with the interaction with Tony Stark and there's certain, um, physical characteristics of the drawing of Thor that then change. So it was very confusing for me. So thank you, Chad, for enlightening me as to what exactly happened. When, because <laughs> well, now it all makes sense. When we first uh, picked this one, we're like, oh, Lindsay's going to be on the show. I was thinking to myself, like, well, Thor can be pretty tough and pretty convoluted, but knowing the backgrounds, so you're, you're familiar with things like the Bifrost and... When, when Sif is there in the Heimdall role, like, you know, having seen those movies, that gives a lot of extra context. And basically, at the end of the first issue, Kate's wipes out any stuff that comes before and is like, this is a brand new hullabaloo. And that would, would, would ease you in a little bit. It's a massive yeah. reset button, for sure. So time travel in movies is something that always kind of freaks me out. I don't quite get it. And it, w- it was kind of like that. And I really didn't understand what was going on, but I just sort of powered through it thinking that it would wrap itself up and then it did in a most confusing manner again until just now okay yeah <laughs> so if, absolutely. You're, if you're a comic book noob like i am you just need a chad smith in your life there you go that's actually one of the reasons why we're here that's <laughs> people to figure some of this stuff out and make it a little bit more accessible so I wanted to kick it over to J.A. next, because, again, one of the major reasons we also picked this book is because it, it features a lot of characters that, that historically my cousin J.A. has liked. Galactus, Silver Surfer shows up, and uh, as somebody that recently read another one of Donny Cates' books in Silver Surfer Black, I was wondering how, what, what you thought of this particular book. And how it compared to Silver Surfer Black? So I liked the book. I don't think it was as good as Silver Surfer Black. And that might just come down to the story they were telling or even the art. This art was very different than Silver Surfer Black. Very, very hypersight, very trippy. Yeah, that was very trippy, cartoony art. This art had a very painterly quality to it. Uh, that it really worked for big panels. It uh, didn't work so much in a traditional six-panel layout, eight-panel layout type thing. But if he was doing single-panel pages or you know two-panel pages, this painterly quality of the art, I really loved. I had some issues with the overall storyline. I thought it's something that could have been condensed into two traditional issues. Uh, it seemed to have a bit of padding sometimes. And each issue was just too short. And that might just be modern comic books in general. Six issues to tell a story that if you were in the 90s would have been two issues. But in the 90s probably would have been like two issues and then an annual and then a major crossover event. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get into the true traditional two issues unless you're going back to the 70s. Like, but I, I agree that there was quite a lot of padding in issues three and four of this, uh, this whole notion of fighting with Better Ray Bill, that really didn't have to happen. It was just pretty much he came down. He's like, Thor, you're being a jerk. And he's like, shut up, Better Ray Bill, and punched him in the face. And then Sif's like, you're being a jerk. And I was like, this this has nothing to do with anything. Can I hit the pause I, button on you here? Just because I, I want to defend Donnie Cates. Okay. Andy in particular knows this, and I, I think Jay and I have discussed it before. When I first read Silver Surfer Black, I wasn't sure if it was good or not. 
was this good? I genuinely couldn't tell. But I think since then, I've had a revelation about Donny Cates. And what I've decided is that Donny Cates, even though he's a writer and not an artist, he has inherited the soap opera elements and the bombast of the image creators of the 90s, the Rob Liefelds, the Todd McFarlanes. And instead of pouches... Like, Rob Liefeld thought pouches were cool. Donny Cates thinks that symbiotes are cool. And, like, black ooze. And let's be honest, like, when the Silver Surfer's all covered with, like, ooze and stuff, that is awesome. When the Black Winter comes and you see, like, Black Thor, like, that's awesome. And I've often given him the backhanded compliment of, like, all right, he has these really dumb ideas that somehow he makes work. Like, he had the idea for the Cosmic Ghost Rider, which was the Punisher that had a little baby Thanos, and like... But I think, when it comes to things like the Beta Ray Bill issue and the Sif issue, what he's doing, he's playing that soap opera long con. Similar to what they used to do back in the day with the X-Men, where, like, somebody would pop in, and, like... I've read the, the further issues of this series, and the interactions between Thor and Beta Ray Bill... They come up later. Like, okay. that's its very next arc. And so he's planting seeds, and J.A. can attest to this. There are seeds in here that were planted in Silver Surfer Black. And there are things planted here that, like, go back to when Donny Cates was writing Thanos and, and that series. And so I think this guy's playing the long con. And gotta- I will say, to that point, some of my favorite parts of this book were those interactions with Sif and Loki picking up the hammer and the issues I had were more like I felt that Thor's power set just became too big. Yeah. Uh, He shouldn't be able to decide when he wants to have the power cosmic or not. You know, the the whole idea that he's destroying Galactus, essentially. I I had issues with that because Thor, you know, was always strong and powerful, but to make him godlike, I, I it didn't quite work for me, which is why I liked those times like where he threw the hammer at Sif and she makes it disappear using okay. the Bifrost. Or or like Better A Bill held on to Mjolnir and Thor couldn't get it to come back because he's becoming unworthy. That bit of the story I found really interesting because it was character development. My biggest issue was that he became so powerful. This whole I'm super bad and I can take everything I want from you, Galactus, and that I felt it was a bit Deus Ex Machina. See, I've I've, I've got to disagree on that, and it's simply because it, it used to be back in the day where Ja and I would always talk about people's power levels. Like he was always one of these guys who was just like, oh well, you know, Thor could never stand up to Galactus because he's just a god. Uh, versus like Galactus, who is like this force of the universe or whatever. Is Thor still a god? Like he's still one of the most powerful superheroes in the marvel universe like sincerely it was nice to see him actually flex his muscles uh, and be able to do some things that you would expect from somebody that's a freaking god and um, now he's not only thor he's thor plus odin plus yeah he's got given. the odin he's force like he's stacks been on stacks on stacks right and and i totally believed the notion that like Thor was playing Galactus the whole time. Like Galactus thought that he was using Thor as a pawn to get him these planets or whatever. But no, I love the fact that at the end, Thor turns the tables and says, no, no, Galactus, I was playing you. Like I'm the one pulling the strings right now. And it's because Thor legitimately has righteous justice on his side like he is legitimately a good character versus galactus which i'll be honest like galactus is one of the biggest conundrums that i've had with the marvel universe because some people consider him a bad guy but at other times he's portrayed as you know being beyond traditional morality good and evil you know, and even sometimes being viewed somewhat benevolently, like some sort of cosmic garbage man, like freeing up the universe of unnecessary waste. Like if you go back to like the trial of Reed Richards, Eternity's like, yep, he's like my garbage man. He just destroys planets to bring people together and stuff. But I never bought it. Like he still kills people on a vast cosmic scale. And so to see him get his comeuppance in this book, 
it was really rewarding for me. Like I was like, good, put that guy down. It's fine. Uh-oh. So Lindsay, what did you think as somebody who's kind of a, a stranger in a strange land with all the, the scope of all this stuff? I think what I said before, just like sort of powering through, I know that there's multiple universes. I know like with DC and with Marvel, that there's so many different layers and um, depending on who's writing, they take it different ways. They backtrack and they do this again. So for me, it was interesting to read, but I really had no idea what was going on. Did you catch when Donny Cates destroyed the DC universe in issue two? Yes, I did. I do remember that one. Like yeah. this is the type of guy where if he gets an idea in his head, he's like, that's a cool idea. He's going to do it. He doesn't care. Oh, Galactus is being used in this other book this way. Who cares? He's going to have Thor blow him up. Also, I don't really know many of the characters that he introduced. You guys are intimately familiar with Galactus. I don't know who that is. <laughs> That's just like a dude, and he's like f***ing huge. Oops, sorry. <laughs> think it was cool? I mean, it, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting, and again, it, it held my interest, and it held my, you know, it held me to the end, and then I right. got really confused, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, some of the cool parts of this, I know that JA was sharing some of those double page spreads he showed. Uh, one of them of Galactus kind of being dwarfed by the Black Winter and he said this is awesome Jay were there any other panels or, or, or pages that as, a, as an art freak as somebody that has loved good comic book art over the years that you just thought wow that captured my imagination yes uh, and this is more because I'm such a fanboy the first big panel in issue six where the doors are swinging open to um asgard and the black silver surfer is flying in on his board and that's a full full page it looks just ready to be made into a poster and that's one of those things i'm really glad that silver surfer showed up in this series a lot of the concepts that donny cates plays with in this book have been around for quite some time. Like Thor and Galactus have been kind of intertwined as characters as far back as I think Thor 160, or actually the second real big storyline that Galactus is in. Galactus is going to eat Ego, the living planet, for those people that have watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That's uh, Kurt Russell's character in that particular movie. And, and basically, Thor comes to Ego's rescue. A couple issues later, uh, you get the origin of Galactus that appears in a Thor book. So between that and Silver Surfer 4, in which Thor and uh, Silver Surfer first fight, I thought there were a lot of callbacks in this particular book. And uh, one of the biggest ones I'll bring up is actually the one that I'm going to pitch out during our recommendations as a uh, similar book to this, which is Galactus the Devourer, which I'll get to a little bit later on. If you like this Donny Cates run, you should go back and read Louise Simonson's uh, Galactus the Devourer, because it's pretty much the same story. And again, I'm not sure whether I like Donny Cates as a writer, but like I at least like some of these, these toys he's bringing out and saying, yeah, these toys have always kind of existed together. Like They're like peanut butter and chocolate. They taste good. Putting Thor and Galactus in the same book and putting Silver Surfer there, these are the cosmic guys at Marvel. They, they should exist together. Um, so I was going to say, my favorite moments of this story was, they were all hubris-based. They were all people being posturing dicks. And so whether it was uh, Thor and Beta Ray Bill, and like Beta Ray Bill's, there's like he's like, brother, please don't make me go through you. And Thor's like, I'm sorry, but through is the only way. And then he's, he's just like taunting him. He's like, listen, we were an even match when I, it was just Thor, but now I'm Thor plus Odin plus Galactus. And he's like, you're nothing. He's like, this will not be that. And he's just such a dick. And then later on, Galactus has a moment with Thor. It harkens back to the Avengers where it's like, Ultron, you know, we want to have words with thee. I forget what the exact quote is. But yeah. Galactus calls back to that. And so if you're a longtime fan, like, all these great moments of all this over-the-top posturing and machismo and like it's it's just so fun to see watch these guys be dicks to each other and with thor in particular he's the type of character where his stories really do repeat over time like if you've read you know one great thor run 
then you go back and read the others like oh that's kind of similar to this and i don't think kate's is doing anything like supremely different but he's having so much fun with uh, the different elements that i think it feels fresh and that's all often a challenge for somebody like thor i think one of my favorite moments was actually when he goes inside the black winter and he starts seeing all of his major foes and there weren't many there they were like pulling out like random jabronis like dr doom that's a thor villain i'm like no that's 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 not they had like three or four good ones they had like loki and they had a magog and suture and yeah. uh, so they had a couple good ones, but then they just threw in some, like Apocalypse was there. I'm just like, right. really? <laughs> like that's that's who you're bringing out as a rogues gallery member of, of- Apocalypse and Juggernaut. <laughs> I was just like, all right, well, whatever. But I still gave it a break, and that's why, I, I don't know, Like that's why I'm, I'm kind of torn on this particular book, because I'm like, there were some moments I was like, ah, and then there was other moments like, like yeah, you throw uh-huh. that hammer through Galactus's chest. <laughs> the planets themselves, there's the one with the bears, the precognitive bears. <laughs> <laughs> they knew that they were going, so they were packed and ready. <laughs> I yeah. like a good I like some preparation. <laughs> they probably had snacks too. Maybe yeah. I want those bears along with my rocket raccoon. <laughs> so I mean, I, I think the thing final thing I want to ask my cousin J.A. because he's been a longtime fan of basically Silver Surfer and the cla- the cosmic side. Even though this is kind of a comic book death. Did it piss you off that they click they killed Galactus, or were you just like, you know, it's a part of the story? Uh, no, it didn't. It didn't make me angry. I thought it was just a part of the story. I think he'll come back in some form. You know, Galactus. I view him as, as this sort of you know elemental part of the Marvel universe. He exists, you know, outside normal morality type things. Him and Eternity and Living Tribunal, all these giant cosmic being type things. Thanos, maybe even. Though I think what makes Thanos much more interesting is that he's trying to become one of these things and he's not. He's a, a normal, you know, person who's trying to bring himself up, which is what always this this quest for the Infinity Stones and everything is. So it didn't make me angry because I always assume that Galactus will come back and it's it's part of the story. But I I thought they just didn't handle it well enough. Thor took on all that extra power much too easily. You know, he had trouble fighting better a bill, but at the same time, he, like, dispatched Galactus in four panels. So that, I felt, was kind of playing a bit fast and loose and... and (laughs) Right. Uh, Another quick question, because you brought it up while you were talking. Uh, What did you think of uh, when Thor has his vision of the future, and it turns out that, like, Thanos, as as we all might have thought ends up being the real big bad behind all of this with his Mjolnir encrusted with infinity gems covered by the Marvel zombies in the background. And first off, is anybody sick of Thanos being the big bad? Like, or do we have to have Thanos the big bad because we have the MCU movies? I don't know if we have to have Thanos as the big bad. I think for cosmic stories, he tends to be the big bad because he's a known entity and you can't just create sort of these large crossover epic cosmic events and introduce somebody new because it doesn't work as well it doesn't have as much uh pathos and and he brings this you know level of backstory and level of uh to step on jay's point thanos is where the money is people know thanos they're gonna pay money to see thanos get his comeuppance so you put thanos in your story people are tuning into that pay-per-view that's true. Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay knew who Thanos was from the, the final panels. So like, I, and, I know, did, and I wonder if Thanos as a as a villain is more relatable because the things that he postulates, or at least from the Marvel comic book series, the idea that we are overpopulated and that we're over resourcing and that there's we're just not necessarily good for our and sustainable for our planet. That's a that's a valid question, and so yeah. maybe it's the more relatability that makes him so effective as way to go ebenezer he with the surplus <laughs> population that's true i mean it, it, to be honest like that that has only cropped up since the the marvel the mcu movies they actually did oh. make uh thanos much more of a hero of his own story 
in uh, those movies versus back in the day yeah. he just wanted to have sex with death that's pretty yeah. much right. what, what it so came down girl. to what it would was their just... baby look like <laughs> i don't know it depends on which side of death's face you see sometimes it's the skull other times it's a, a, a fairly good looking woman so I, I, don't, I don't understand but but she would get the chin bumps. She get the chin bumps. Yeah, the chin boobs. Like he he creates his his consort, and she has the chin bumps. So is that <laughs> like incest? He created his own daughter in his image. So <laughs> I will say, I love that last panel with the. I want to read a book where somebody's slapping the Infinity Stones on Mjolnir. I think that is just yeah. cool. <laughs> and why would you have to hit anybody with it? Is it effective as a weapon at that point? Like it, it, yeah. it, it looks cool, but it's also kind of it's a bedazzled Mjolnir. Right? Yeah, I was <laughs> the sad part is is the tool becomes the decoration, right? The bedazzled like, part that's the real power. If you had a, if you had sincerely a gold hammer like on your workbench, would you actually hammer any nails with it? You'd be like, no, this is my gold hammer. I don't do anything with it. It's gold. Like I, I just heave it there and. Like I, I, I would amazing Spider-Man comics from the '90s, Tommy. The gold is very malleable. It's very soft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be right back with more comic shop with our grades, ratings, whatever you want to call it, right after these messages. So stay tuned for more Last Comic Shop right after this. Have you checked out QuadMProductions.com lately? QuadMProductions.com is your direct access hookup to order the Enigma comic book series and download the Quad M Show podcast. Check the appearances page for upcoming events and contact us with any questions or comments. Don't be the only lonely soul who's missing out on all the fun. Visit us today at QuadMProductions.com. That's QuadMProductions.com. Alright, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it's now time for that part of the show where we tell you what we really think about this particular book that we reviewed this week, and we rate it. We give it some sort of numerical value in order to assess its worth as a thing. (laughs) Final evaluation. That's right. We are going to say whether or not we think this was good or bad or in the middle. And so, as always, with our particular show, we rate it one out of four somethings. And so (laughs) this week, J.A., what are we doing the one out of four somethings? One out of four devoured planets. Wow! (laughs) Well played, sir. That is very fitting. Because we are at the end of the world, and I'm sure that there have been one of some of those, plus uh, something to nom on in your spare time. So we'll start off with J.A., hopefully a book near and dear to his heart. What are you going to give this book this week? So I'm going to give it like a, between two and three devoured planets. I would say it's like two, two devoured planets and a lot of moons. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really liked it. I really uh, enjoyed going back to the, the storyline that Donnie Coat uh, started out with in, I guess he started it in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I, I really <laughs> liked revisiting uh, this idea of the, the black entity that Donnie Cates went into with Silver Surfer Black. I liked the cosmic elements. I liked the interplay between Galactus and Thor. I thought it struggled at times. Thor jumped between being like godlike and being normal Thor with all his hangups. And that was one of the failings. I thought it didn't work as well. That being said, it could have been two longer issues instead of five or six smaller issues. But I think that's just modern comics for you versus back in the day. So I give it two big M class planets and a lot of moons. (laughs) Devoured. Wow, M class <laughs> planets. All right, uh, Lindsay, what is your grade for the or rating for this week? I would give it a little bit less. I wouldn't give it the moons, so I would <laughs> give it the two devoured planets, and I would not donate the bears planet. I would let them stay alive <laughs> because they seemed pretty cool and like they have snacks. Well, they still live. They just went to uh, Asgard. Yeah, 
let them have their planet. <laughs> I, would, I would let him devour two empty planets. Yes. Um, Don't take with the Jellystone non- National Park planet. Right. I want to pet those bears. I would like to vacation there. Aww. I mean, the the artwork was very cool. The storyline was, you know, interesting enough. It kept my attention. But as someone who does not have the the history and the knowledge of, or I guess the knowledge of comic book history, it was just very confusing. So if I had wanted to find out more information, I'd, how many other books would I have to go read to? to understand it and to really appreciate it. That is um, quite a significant investment for me. So (laughs) two empty dead planets. Uh, Real quickly. uh, I know that we, I asked you the last time you were on the show when we did Cleveland, uh, Mm -hmm. whether or not you would uh, recommend Cleveland to non-comic book readers. Would you recommend this book to non-comic book readers? I don't think I would recommend this one as a starter for Thor. I think it was just, it was too much. And especially with the saturation of Thor with the MC, with the Marvel comic universe right now, everyone knows those stories. And that, again, that's what I went into. And then I was just confused for most of the time. So yeah. I think it would not be a great starter book. All right, Chad. All right. So I'm going to go the opposite route. I'm going to give this four out of four devoured planets. Wow. But this is not a starter book. This is a book for people that have been around the block a couple of times, and especially, and I know there's a lot of people out there in our in a similar boat, those people that were fans in the 90s and missed that bombast and that excitement. Um, I genuinely think that Donny Cates does a great job of capturing, capturing that stuff. And even when he does it with characters that I don't care about, like Venom or Carnage, like I, I think he really has a stranglehold on the comics industry at this moment. Like He's the, the torchbearer for those purposes and so if you're somebody who you know is a lapsed reader or if you're somebody who's into the long ongoing soap opera elements of things if you think black symbiote ooze is cool and black clouds of death and destroying galactus and blowing up dc and like all that stuff like i can i I can appreciate all of it and so i had i had a lot of fun with this book and we've talked a lot about Donny Cates, and I don't think we've talked nearly enough about Nick Klein. J.A. and I were, were talking earlier about how it went so fast. But boy, were those double-page spreads beautiful. I think he's the, the perfect accessory to the crime of Donny Cates in terms of bringing that excitement. And he's got that scratchy, edgy art style that was different than Trad Moore's uh, Silver Surfer Black. I, I, I just think it works. Now, if you're somebody that's just coming in, not so much. But if you're you're part of the old standby, I think this is this is it. My only complaint with it, though, and I will ding it in this sense: the big downside is Donny Cates in the very first issue kind of undoes himself because he has all these big bombastic moments and all these big things. But if in the very first moment you're like, "No, here's a hard reset button," boop, like that just tells you that later on, like. Oh, he's going to hit a reset button, and there will be Galactus again, and there will be yeah. all this stuff, and there will be original costumes, and it's like, and nothing matters if everything can be undone in one fell swoop. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad because after uh, the War of the Realms, what are you going to do? They needed somebody to hit that reset button. Yeah. And by the way, this was Chad's uh, Chad's pick for this week. So, like, of course, four You're out of four for a Chad pick. Uh, and and so with my fi- my final uh, rating, I went back and forth really because I am still not sure whether I like Donny Cates' writing. And I have read a lot of Donny Cates. I mean, ultimately, when I was reading this book, it reminded me a lot of his image series, God Country, which was pretty much kind of like a Thor book. It was like an older guy that had Alzheimer's that got a magic sword that fell from the heavens and had fighted it up fighting gods on the Texas prairies or something. Crazy stuff. But I mean, you read that book and you're like, yeah, these are a lot of the same concepts that he would eventually use in some of the cosmic parts of the Marvel universe. So I could see the threads, you know, being laid even there. And I like the fact that he kind of, throws concepts that you're like yeah why can't thor be galactus's herald that's kind of a super cool concept like team those guys up together like who who says you can't do that and especially after this long but very good and epic 
Thor run that Jason Aaron had through the female Thor, through Thor losing his arm and being unworthy, through the War of the Realms and all of that jazz. Like, it's nice to have somebody hit a reset button and say, nope, nope, let's let's go in a different direction. Let's try something new. Let's try to get some people on board with the Thor book. And so kudos for him for having the balls to just kind of wipe out 10 years of previous continuity with a simple, yeah, he's got the power of cosmic. He has an arm again. Great. Let's go with it. Uh, but at the same time, that's why sometimes I, I think it may be a, a one. Because, to Chad's point, does any of this matter? Like, you get some cool moments in this. It's awesome. He throws a, a hammer through Galactus' chest, killing him. But if you're a longtime reader of comic books, Galactus has died before, and he will probably come back again. So, like, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of like a set piece. So, you know what? I'm going to give it three devoured plants because I honestly look at this book and I'm like, this is kind of like a what if. Eh, it's an Elseworlds. It happens in its own continuity now. Like it's what if Thor was Galactus's herald, except it was six issues instead of one. And you know, from that perspective, it was an awesome story, and I enjoyed it. And I did really love the art. It had that John Romita Jr. kind of look to it at times. Like, I, who did uh, who did John Romita Jr. do a Thor run with? That was that Dan Jurgens. Yes. So it reminded me a lot of that Thor run. Uh, He had that same look to his, especially when he was all cosmically powered up. He looked like J.R.J.R.'s Thor. And I was like, I like that series. That was cool. And so three Devour Planets for just being like kind of like a what if. But if you're like a fan of Marvel continuity, Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's a one. I don't know. Yeah, it's not for the old guard. It is kind of disappointing because I can see Lindsay Fahey's points. I think they're all per- they're all valid, but it is sad that it's so impenetrable. But maybe that's good for new fans. I don't know. Now, if I, I recommend this book to anybody, I'm like, don't worry about anything that happened in Thor before. Just read it as it is. Just read it as it is, folks. And speaking of reading it as it is, here comes some recommendations. As we often do on this show, we always give you three recommendations as well as a cherry on top which will come from Lindsay Fahey we've got a similar book a current book and a book out of left field so we're going to start off this week with our current book and J.A. so J.A. what's the current book for this week so uh current came out in 2019 so it's current ish but definitely relates also to what we have just read and that would be the silver surfer black Donnie Cates writing with art by Trad Moore. And this is similar in that it's obviously the same writer and it's exploring the same concepts of this this black entity taking over, eating the universe. But uh, the art is completely different. It's this very trippy, cartoony art that I think really fits the writing well. I have it on my iPad, but the way... To buy this book if you really want it is the treasury edition and that's portfolio size pages of just i mean it looks like it's something from the 60s some of these posters could have a Jimi hendrix concert on them <laughs> yeah and they're not that expensive because they're paperbacks i would buy two of them and exacto knife one just to hang around my room yeah, because they do look like the side of some sort of van in the 70s. Like, Tradmore <laughs> is just like, this was a book that they definitely needed to put out in Treasury, and I was so glad that they did, because, I don't know, it looks like something that you would pick up on the newsstand in the 70s. And also, it, it's a return to better writing for the Silver Surfer, in my opinion. I was not a fan of the dance lot, Mike Allred 2014 run on the Silver Surfer. I thought they didn't get the surfer they didn't understand how to write for the surfer and this is much more of sort of you know the similar stories that you saw in volume three uh, original volume one silver surfer with stan lee's writing it's just a much better story wow that's interesting to hear that like Dan Slott's Silver Surfer wasn't your Silver Surfer, just like Dan Slott's Spider-Man wasn't Chad's Spider-Man. Mm. Dan Slott seems to like to write a lot of people that aren't their characters. 
characters. But it's okay. It's it's different anyway. As long as they're good stories. Yeah, it's true. Yes. Uh, I'm going to jump in here with our similar pick. I had actually a lot to, to pick from. Uh, I was going to say maybe Donny Cates' God Country, as I mentioned. But honestly, I'm going to go with the comic book that I mentioned before, which was Galactus the Devourer. Uh, this came out in the late 90s. It was written by Louise Simonson with art by a awesome dream team of classic comic book artists in John Bushima on pencils with Bill Senkevich on inks. And uh, it really is an interesting story that actually has a lot to do with the book we did today. It's it's this crazy book where Silver Surfer is shacked up with Alicia Masters on Earth and Galactus has gone crazy with hunger. <laughs> and since the last time we saw Galactus, he pretty much has decided that like, no, 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 he's no longer maintaining any sort of cosmic balance, indiscriminately destroying random worlds. No, no. He's like a sad sack with an eating disorder, and he's evolved into full-on grazing of worlds that have to be inhabited by sentient beings that know that they're getting eaten. That's what he says. Like he's like, like that's I feel how like this is like the faux gras of planet. <laughs> It's like, I want to look at that cow in the eye while I'm devouring it. Like, that, that, that's seriously what this book's about. And honestly, it's really just a reason for Louise Simonson to make Galactus kind of a cosmic dick. And it's basically like old Yeller, Silver Surfer decides he's going to got to put Galactus down. And so he get, teams up with the Shire and all these cosmic people. He basically kills Galactus just like Thor did in this particular book. So if you liked Galactus dying, go read Galactus the Devourer because it was done like 20 years before by Louise Simonson in a wonderful, wonderful book. So Chad, what's your recommendation? I have a real short story here. Well, I'm telling it, so it won't be a real short story. But it's probably never happened before. It'll never happen again in the history of the world. I, one day the wife sent me out on a task. Near this task, there was a comic shop. And the day before, I've been flipping through my stacks, and I've talked before about how I like to go through the, the, the buck bins, and I noticed, oh, I'm missing this one issue of a six-issue series. All right, there's the comic shop. I'm going to go. I'm going to spend 20 minutes in there. I'll set a timer. I'm going to look for this one particular issue. And I went to the shop, and I found it! It was so exciting. It's never happened before in my life, but it happened! And so the book in question was actually Frank Miller's Ronin miniseries. Wow. I was looking for issue two because I've been able to pick up uh, the other issues here. And so this came out in 1983. It was his first work at DC. And uh, I liken it to a reference in reverse. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you see the homage, and then you go back to the original. It's like, oh, wait, that's where that came from. <laughs> and there's a giant two-panel spread of uh, Ronin stabbing through himself to stab the monster on his back and i'm like that's from x force number four and like it was just it was so great to see it and to experience it and the fact that i found issue number two and that was the exact issue that i had in my head to find in dollar bins you never know what you're gonna find in dollar bins part of the fun is like it's like shopping at aldi for groceries you don't know what's gonna be there but you just pick up the stuff that's there and that's what you take uh and everybody knows the dark knight and everybody knows daredevil but Ronan is, is a gem that should not be forgotten as much as it is. So cool. that's my pick out of left field. Very cool. And uh, Lindsay Fahey, what is our cherry on the top this week? The cherry on top of this week is that I'm going to get Chad Smith a one-month membership to Costco. We can go see what he can find in that store. If I don't need to find garbage in bulk. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> Um, for me, like, I don't know, I don't, I'm not a huge comic book fan, but what I do enjoy is I go to Calvin and Hobbes. One of the things that I often enjoy, or I used to enjoy pre-COVID, um, was going to library book sales, and I've been rescuing old Calvin and Hobbes books, um, from their, Those from their the garbage bins. And I've, nice. they've got all the, the tape binding to them, and so now I've started introducing my younger sister to them, because she very sadly did not know who Calvin and Hobbes was. Yeah. That is unfortunate. Uh, I still think uh, fondly of the first time I saw Spaceman Spiff 
And I was like, yes, that is not only a great name for any sort of comic book character, but just had a great look to him. And there's so many great things from that Calvin and Hobbes series. And so any particular favorites, uh, favorite characters or concepts from Calvin and Hobbes? Given the weather, I love the snow goons, like all the oh, snowmen. <laughs> that's that's yes. the time of the year for them. Hundreds of snowmen in the yard being trampled. <laughs> yes. I, I was—I almost pulled out the transmogrifier when we're talking about comic book objects or comic book things. Calvin and Hobbes is the best. That and the Far Side—I I, can't—they're mm-hmm. so wonderful. Well, that's all the time we have for the last comic shop this week. Make sure that you rate and review and subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss any of our fantastic broadcasts in future. And also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Last Comic Shop so you never miss any of our random musings and thoughts and fanboy praise for all kinds of comic book related topics and pictures. We love pictures. Like if you're an artist, post your stuff. We'll retweet it. It's it's the best. Okay, and I was going to mention too. We may be the last comic shop, but chances are there's still a great comic shop in your area. So don't forget to check out the Comic Shop Locator at comicshoplocator.com and find something near you. You might be able to find some fun stuff for your own to dig out of those dollar bins. In any case, uh, that's all the time, as we said. So until next week, make sure that you stay safe, stay sheltered, don't eat any random planets that might give you gas. Gas giants. For Asgard! For Midgard! For myself? (laughs) Exactly! (laughs) Excelsior! Shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.